Alrighty, I'm uh, going to do something uh, that's not part of a series. Uh, uh, as we talked about what I was going to, what we were going to do today, um, it was clear that really this was going to be a, a bit of a one-off message. And so um, I want to speak to us out of this headline, and we know the phrase so well. We say we see someone, we welcome someone into our home, and we say, "How oh, come? Be my guest." And just a sense in my spirit as I was preparing for today that actually the Lord wants us to think a little bit differently when it comes to him. He doesn't want to be our guest. He actually wants to be our host. And here on a Sunday morning, it's kind of commonplace for us to think about hosting the presence of God amongst us. And we we worship and we hear about him, and it's as if he is the guest of honor sitting invisible on that front row seat, and he sits with a smile on his face and enjoying everything that we have prepared so lovingly and so carefully so that he can have a good time in our presence. And there's just something a little bit wrong with that picture because he's God. He he knows us. He knows everything about us. He doesn't need our service. He doesn't need us to prepare uh, a comfy chair and a nice meal. He's here as the Lord of hosts. He's here as the King of heaven. He's here as the one who is seated on the throne and there are heavenly creatures and elders and all kind of things that Scripture tells us about that are arrayed around his throne and they are there to worship him as he hosts the host of heaven. And we are incredibly invited into that space where it's all about him. When you read the book of Revelation, maybe you haven't read the book of Revelation for a while, but there is one item of furniture in the book of Revelation, and that is the throne. He's the king. He is majestic beyond description, and he incredibly, generously, humbly welcomes us and hosts us in his presence. We're used to hosting people in our home, perhaps, uh, Nicola and I had a couple of friends around for a meal last night, or it may be that you've recently had someone around for a coffee or a glass of wine or whatever it might have been. You've, you've welcomed someone into your home. Hey, come, be my guest. Come at 7.30. Let's sit here. Let's enjoy this drink. Let's have this food that I've prepared that's my choice. I've made this for you, and you are going to receive what I have come up with. We're going to talk about the things that I'm comfortable about. And when the evening comes, I'll give you a nudge or I'll kind of yawn. And you'll know that it's time for you to go home. Because this is my house and it's on my terms. But this is God we're talking about. And we don't don't live that way with him. He is the great host who welcomes us as his children, we sang this morning, as sons and daughters welcomed back into his presence. And he wants to host us on his terms. He wants to draw us aside and say to us, hey, listen, this is the subject that's on my heart. This is the truth that I want you 
to get hold of today. And I want this to be the thing that shapes your life and your understanding. This is what I want you to be going to bed thinking about. This is what I want you to be carrying with you as you go into school, as you go into work, as you work your way through the week. I want this revelation to be burning in your heart. He sets the agenda, not us. And that can be a little bit uncomfortable. We, you know, we, we come here on a Sunday morning and we, we worship and we sing and we can very quickly we can very quickly turn that into a me-centered therapy session because we know that the heart of our God is good towards us and he wants to bless us. But actually, first and foremost, the thing that we need to get hold of is a revelation of who he is and let that sink deep into our hearts that actually he's way beyond us and yet he comes close. It's, it's, it's a significant shift and it's a little bit uncomfortable for us. It, it has consequences because things don't happen the way we want them to happen. And meeting leaders who sit here week in, week out, find themselves consistently going, oh my goodness, I don't know what we're going to do because God has just said. Just so you know, last, last Sunday, um, there was a moment where we knew that God was driving the agenda. And it's such a relief to us when that happens. Uh, some worship was going on. Gwen Cherry made her way forward. She said to me, I feel the word spring clean. I feel like God wants to declutter us from all sorts of things that are getting in the way of our lives. He wants our lives to be simple and pure. And she just began to tell me this, and I'm listening. I'm thinking, yep, okay, there's worship happening. How are we going to bring this do we bring this? You know, asking those genuine questions. I walk across a couple of steps and Ruth has come to the front and she says, I've got a song. I said, what's it? Is it a song in tongues? Are you going to sing in English? She says, I don't know. The only word I've got is spring clean. Now, in that moment, I said to Ruth, well, you've got no choice. You're going to have to sing that because this is exactly what God is on. And when God steps in the room, our ears prick up. We know that he is going to bring something that will bring us freedom, but it will also bring him incredible glory. And that is what we long for week in, week out, whenever we gather. We gather to worship him, and as we fill our minds with him, as we, as we give him everything we've got, it's like the overflow of our worship spills out on us, and we are transformed and healed and made whole as a byproduct rather than as a first goal. can't think of the right word to use, but you know what I mean. So there are consequences when we make him the host of our lives, not just the host of our meeting. He wants to host your life tomorrow morning. He wants to host your life throughout this week. He wants you to have him as the lens through which you see life as the, the means through which you interact with your work colleagues, that you carry him into your workplace. And there are consequences when he hosts us in our day-to-day -day lives. A few weeks ago, and this is a, a real example of lives lived when God is the host, we spoke about Pete and Mim and their two lovely kids who live in Taiwan. We shared at the start of um, January 
that you know, these guys, they've given themselves to living in Taiwan, seeking to spread the gospel amongst people who've never heard the name of Jesus. And Pete's working as a teacher, working.
his blueprint, for his wisdom, rather than rushing on ahead in our own wisdom. And as the image on the screen kind of shows us, we cannot, we cannot conceive of what it is that he will bring about until we let the old pattern die. The caterpillar is bound to the earth, cannot conceive what flight feels like or looks like. But until that little caterpillar grabs in on that stalk or that stem and just waits and allows itself to be completely undone, I understand that at the molecular level, the caterpillar, as it goes into a chrysalis, literally turns into mush. Same DNA, same genome, but basically completely disintegrates from its old ways and is, is reborn into something altogether different, created to fly, created for beauty. And I just feel like for us, for us, for the church in the UK, for the church perhaps across the world in this season, there is an invitation of the Lord, don't rush to replicate the old into this new season. I am calling you to look to me and let me be the one who leads you into new things. I want to look just briefly at um, the greatest commandment. Jesus was asked by some scholars, in, uh, some uh, Bible teachers, the Pharisees, in Mark chapter 12. This Pharisee came to Jesus and said, Lord, will you tell, tell me what the greatest commandment is? Now, this is an interesting moment because you've got a teacher of the law, a teacher about God, asking God, what's the most important thing to God? And so God tells him what the most important thing to God is. And it's good for us to listen to this. The most important thing in God's heart for you and I is that we love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. It's uncompromising in its, in its reach, in its grasp. It's like everything. Give your everything to me. Love me with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. That's the first and greatest commandment. Now, the passage then goes on, and Jesus says, and the second one is like it. Love your neighbor like yourself. Now, I don't know about you, but I find it really easy to pick up the second one and say, I will love my neighbor as myself, and I will do that to show you that I love you. I will do this, second commandment, Lord, so that you know that the first one is important to me. But they're not the same. And actually, the Lord wants us to love him. Just love him. It's so hard to describe what this looks like. But loving God in its purest, purest form is a high call and we can so easily substitute in other things. I will love you, Lord, by reading my Bible. I will devote myself to the scripture. It's not a bad thing, it's a great thing. But I am going to show you, Lord, that I love you by loving your word. No, 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 love me. I will show you that I love you by being part of church. I will love your church. No, no, no. Love me. I will show you that I love you by, by, by giving lots of money to Pete and Mim in Taiwan. No, no, no. Love me. 
Love me with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Do that. Get that one. Get that one done. And then, yes, there will be other things. You can love your neighbor as yourself. You can love your church. Everything is possible. But we must get the first thing as the first thing. If we don't get the first thing first, we'll never get the second or the third or the fourth. We must take the priority that God himself reveals. This is a revelation of the Father's heart and his knowledge that for us as individuals, the best thing for us is to love him wholeheartedly. I want us to focus in for a little bit on the person of Mary. Not Mary, the mother of Jesus, but Mary, uh, sister of Martha. And there's some stuff in this story that I've just felt led to. And I feel like the Lord is, is unfolding for us and inviting us to, to recognize. As I was reading into this material this week, I recognized that actually this story, the story of Mary, is in every one of the Gospels. And there's only the, the, the details of the crucifixion, the death, the burial, the resurrection. Those are in all four Gospels and this story, the story of Mary. It's, it's, a, it's profound what gets into every single one of the Gospels. I feel like the Lord wants to tell us something. So this part is when um, Jesus came to a certain village. This is Luke Chapter 10, verses 38 to 40. Jesus and the disciples came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home and her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner that she was preparing. Now this is the first little insight that I feel the Lord wants to give us as we consider what does it mean to love the Lord with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. Here we see Mary doing what was socially unacceptable. She positioned herself as a disciple of a rabbi, which was basically saying, one day I will become like you. And in that culture, that was a complete taboo. And she sat at his feet and she drank in every word that he taught and he welcomed her. He let her stay. And he said, I, in doing so, he said, I affirm your choice to sit at my feet. Let me impart truth that will bring life to you and to all those around you. And she sat there as she was scorned by people around her, as she was scorned by her own sister. Her family was against her. Society was against her. All those social norms of, well, when a rabbi comes into your home, you really got to make him sandwiches, even if he didn't, if he didn't ask for them. And so she gave herself to him, his presence, his word. She was letting it sink deep into her heart. She gave him absolute priority. And then secondly, a later on in the, in the stories of the Gospels, we see this same Mary. When a dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor, Martha again served. A lot like, lot like me. Default, I know, I'll make sure the chairs are straight. I know, I'll, I'll make sure that he's well fed. Oh, I know, I'll make sure the lights are just right. I'll get all of the, the details just so, so that he feels really looked after. Now, but Jesus says, no, give yourself to me. And this is what Mary does. 
Got her up there already. John chapter 12, verses two and three. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' home. Martha served. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. Another passage says, wiping his feet with her tears. And the house was filled with fragrance. Now just try and put yourself into that story and see what Mary was doing in that moment. Again, totally against societal expectations. The fact that she wiped his feet with her hair in that culture would have been a complete taboo. Women had to keep their hair up, covered. Her hair was down. This was like, this was like basically saying, I'm a prostitute. I'm a loose woman. I have no moral code. I live my way. And she gets down. She wipes his feet with her hair, washes them with her tears. She makes a complete spectacle of herself. Everything that was so neatly prepared for his presence is just completely thrown into chaos. This beautiful vial, 12-ounce vial of perfume, a family heirloom, some scholars would say. These things were handed from generation to generation as a sign of prosperity, as a sign of blessing on a household. She takes it, she smashes it, the smell fills the air. Whatever was cooking is now completely engulfed in the fragrance of this perfume. And it just fills the whole house. It might even have been, you know, to the point of being so strong that it made your eyes water. And she just breaks it. She goes against every, every fear that could have held her back. And she says, no, I will give everything to him. I will give everything to Jesus because he is Lord, because he has done everything for me. She had insight that Jesus was on his way to the cross, on his way to um, Jerusalem and his crucifixion. And she said, I want to do this for my Savior. I want to honor him above everybody else. It doesn't matter what it looks like. She made herself completely vulnerable. It was not pretty. It was not, it was not practiced. There was no sense of etiquette whatsoever. She, people would have said, you're rude, you're disrespectful, you're completely out of order. And yet Jesus in, the, in Matthew's version of this story, Jesus says, wherever the gospel is preached, what this woman has done will be remembered because it is beautiful in my, in my eyes. And what Jesus does when we pour ourselves out to him, when we say, Lord, I want you to host my life. I want you to be the Lord of my life in every detail. What he does is that he completely redefines us forever. Mary, her life was broken. She had, or was perhaps, emerging out of brokenness, prostitution, all manner of darkness. She was known to be a sinful woman. But from that moment forward, she was known to be the woman who, who washed his feet, who anointed him on his way to the cross, and more than that, she was the one person who left that room that day smelling just like Jesus. And that's what our Lord does when we lift him up, when we focus on him, when we give him glory. Out of what we pour towards him, the overflow comes and transforms us and makes us whole and makes us beautiful and makes us forever changed. And so there's this invitation I feel from the Lord for us 
just to refine the focus of our hearts and not be too concerned about, well, has he got the sandwiches? Is the lighting just so? Is the, is the framework just as we need it to be? No, no, no. Focus on me, says Jesus. Give yourself to me. Let me be the one who defines you. Let me be the one who tells you that you're beautiful. Let me be the one who absorbs all of the brokenness that your life has been characterized by up to this point. Let me take all of that into myself and let me, from this moment forward, define you differently as the one who loves me. I've asked the, the stewards to help us have some uh, communion, if that's okay. Is that all right? Is that, that's not a surprise to you, Stuart, is it? Excellent. That's good news. That's good news. And so these guys are going to um, pass around the little pieces of bread, the little thimblefuls of grape juice. And we do this so regularly that sometimes it can be a little bit, oh yeah, here we're doing communion again. But I want us this morning, um, this afternoon, as we take communion together, I want us to recognize that Jesus is coming very personally to every single one of us. And he is saying, here I am. I have drawn close to you. I want you to receive me with thankfulness and praise in your heart. I want you to, to recognize that I am your Lord. I am your host. I am your master. I am your maker. And I want to pour my life back into you. I want to be the one who defines you. I want you to walk this world. Please go ahead, pass it out, guys. I want you to walk this world from this day forward smelling just like me so that everyone you meet recognizes, ah, you, you've been with Jesus because you, you, you just smell just exactly like him. You carry his characteristics. That's his passion for us. So just, I'll take a moment while the, the stewards pass these around. Just hold the bread, hold a little bit of juice, if you would, for a moment. Band, would you like to come up just while these guys are helping us with the bread and the wine. It's very possible, it's very possible this morning in a room of this size that there are people here who have not ever taken that step of making Jesus their Lord. They've never, you've never actually said to him, I want you to be in charge of my life. I want to surrender myself to you. I want you to make me new. And like that little caterpillar, you've kind of inched your way in here this morning and you feel altogether out of place. Well, the message is that the Lord wants to transform you. He wants to make you beautiful. He wants to give you life to the full. He wants to redefine you. He wants you to not walk out of here. He wants you to fly out of here with eternity secure. He wants you to know that he has transformed you and changed you. And this moment as you take a little bit of bread and a little bit of juice is a moment where you are taking the living God in your hands and he is saying, will you take me into yourself? Will you allow me to be your master? And if that's where you're at this morning, you are really welcome to take that as your first step into new life. We wanna help you take the next step. So if that's where you're at this morning, please do come and say, say hello to us at the end of the meeting and let us pray with you and let us help you take the next step. But Jesus wants to be that one for every one of us 
He doesn't want us to be worried about the future. He doesn't want us to, to detail it based on the past. He wants us to trust him and let him host us for the next step of our lives. So I think most people seem to have bread and wine. Is everybody, is anybody not received it? Oh, back row over here. There we go. Good. The back row just there, Faith and oh I got it. Brilliant. So let's just take a moment. Heavenly Father, we recognize that you have drawn close. We want to thank you for your invitation to us to make you our all in all. We want to thank you, living God, that your brokenness has made us whole and that you want to catch us up again afresh today into the beauty of who you are. We pray, Lord, as we, as we take these elements today that you will unite our hearts with you in a fresh way. Holy Spirit, have your way amongst us. Help us to lift you up. Help us to elevate you. Help us to worship you with all of our hearts. So folks, when you're ready, just take the bread, take the wine. Just be thankful. Express your thanks to him in prayer. And when you're ready, the band are going to lead us in worship. When you're ready, just stand. Let's together finish out this morning worshiping him exalting him putting him in his rightful place drawing the life that only he can give let's worship him